I did see that you are in the lead for Tate of the Year, though. Congratulations. Oh, yes. <laughs> and right now, I'm lead in the voting. <laughs> it's a nice slice of humble pie or something, right? <laughs> yes, the guy that maintains the tater list has got to be the biggest tater. I'll <laughs> take it as a compliment, and I'll take it all in good fun if I hold on to my victory. Hey, everyone. Hope you're ready for a great episode this week. First off, just a little bit of news. Patreon shipments have started going out for the Buffalo Trace bottles that we had done for the community roundtable pick. So you're going to start seeing those show up on Instagram and hopefully a few other places here relatively shortly. We will also be receiving t-shirts for our next round of Patreon shipments next week. And so those are going to begin going out soon for all of our monthly supporters. We've recorded about seven new episodes this past week as well. And if you're a Patreon supporter, you've been able to hear them firsthand as they're being recorded. Another one of those great Patreon perks. Reminder that this is also, we have one more legend series to go, and this one is gonna be with Evan Colesveen of Willett Distillery. Fred Minnick is gonna be there emceeing. We're gonna be there recording. This isn't gonna be out for quite some time, but I encourage you, go to derbymuseum.org, find the legend series, buy your tickets, and show up and be there. It's gonna be a great time. I've also heard that they're gonna have some samples that they're gonna have for only the people that are there in the audience to be able to try too. Speaking of things that only people around have been able to try, I had the opportunity to try a brand new product this week. It's a new extension from Brown Foreman. It's a 14-year-old barrel-proof expression that sat half the time in heat-cycled warehouses, half the time in a traditional rickhouse that isn't heat-cycled. It's gonna be a Kentucky-only release in this first go with about 960 bottles from 16 barrels. It's called King of Kentucky. If you want to find out more information, please go to our Facebook page where I wrote a very in-depth review as well as talk about the history of where it's coming from and the time I had spent at Brown Foreman this past week. It was a great experience to see all this new innovation that's coming from Brown Foreman as they begin rolling out more of the premium category bourbons. And thanks again for Brown Foreman for hosting us and having us there. Today's episode is going to be a fun one. If you're on Facebook, you may have seen Wade Woodard give maybe snarky or sarcastic answers all around different forums, but honestly, this guy knows what he's talking about. So this episode is going to be pretty fun. As always, make sure you support us by subscribing to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bourbon Pursuit. Make sure you are subscribing to us on iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook to be able to watch and listen to all these podcasts. If you like getting cool stuff, we've got bottle totes, we've got new patches, we've got new t-shirts, we've got stickers, we've got new koozies, and we also have an updated barrel pick selection that's gonna be happening for all our Patreon sponsors, so you can get more information by going to patreon.com slash burnpursuit, and you can learn more about it there. Lastly, if you wanna get all these episodes beamed straight to your inbox, go to burnpursuit.com, scroll down just a little bit, find the email, and then click subscribe, and every new episode is going to beam straight to your inbox. With that, enjoy this week's episode. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. 
you can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to knowsyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 000 Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to the episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast, the official podcast of bourbon. Tonight, it is Kenny here alone, and Ryan, he might join us a little bit later on. He said he was having some problems putting the kid down, but this is uh, this is going to be an interesting show because our guest tonight is full of trivia, and I I see him that he posts on all of the, the public forums, and he'll say, you know, kind of like, can I stump the chump here? And everybody automatically starts uh, trying to answer. It'll be 85 comments deep. And then all of a sudden we'll realize, oh, somebody said that 45 comments ago. And that was the correct one. But it's it's a it's tonight's really about bourbon brain teasers. And I don't know if I was the the right person to come on and try to guess these by myself. So I invited two more people who are very familiar to the podcast. So I have Blake and Brian. So uh, first, Blake, go ahead and introduce yourself for anybody that doesn't know you already. Yeah, I'm uh, Blake from Bourboner.com. You can find me on the blog Bourboner.com backslash blog, as well as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now on YouTube. And Brian. I got a lot less than that. I'm Brian from Sippin' Corn. You mostly find me on uh, on Twitter, a little bit on Facebook, and I've got the blog that's uh, Sippin' Corn blog for the legal historical uh, side of bourbon. Cheers, guys. Yeah. And so now that we've got our, our panel out of the way, I kind of want to introduce our, our main guest tonight. So we have uh, tonight in the show, Wade Woodard. Uh, Wade is a, a figure that's been in the bourbon community now for uh, plenty of years. 
He uh, also owns the list of what it becomes to become a tater with inside the bourbon world as well. So, wait, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, a little bit about how I got into this and became a, a trivia expert is uh, really I was, became concerned about a lot of these craft producers putting out products that they weren't making. And I really wanted to see if they were following all the regulations according to the, the federal code. So to do that, you have to read all these federal codes and digging through these federal codes, you find some interesting tidbits about bourbon and how it's made and other American whiskey types. And so that's how really how these trivia questions kind of came about is uh, my work on a consumer advocate type stage. Yeah. And you, you were actually pretty responsible for calling out a lot of people. I know that you had a, a, a talk a few years ago, I think it tells the cocktail or something like that. Kind, kind of talk about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, really, you know, I live in Texas and we had a few guys really making bourbon from scratch, but we had way more companies that were importing uh, contract whiskey out and bottling it here and putting Texas all over the label. And I just thought it was not fair to the guys that were really doing it from scratch, like Balcones and Ranger Creek and Garrison Brothers and a handful of other guys here in Texas. Uh, so then I dip, dug down and found out this law about 27 CFR 5.36D, which stated for certain whiskey types, including bourbon, that the state of distillation had to be on the label. And these companies were violating it. And it wound up some companies, not more so from the federal government, but lawyers got involved and sued them, including Tin Cup and Templeton. Uh, and I was, you know, actively calling those guys out, interviewed in the Des Moines paper about Templeton. And that kind of just led to a relationship with Fred Minnick because he was just kind of interested in what I was doing. And that led to a, a presentation at Tales of the Cocktail about the whole topic of uh, source whiskey and the audacity of source whiskey was the name of it. Uh, we had uh, representatives from Smooth Ambler, which is a company that sources whiskey as their business model, but was always honest about it. Uh, and MGP and Fred and myself. So it was a good panel. And that's how it came about. And so what what made you want to really go down this path? Was it just the fact that you love to make enemies or was it because you really you really had a, a passion for this? Man, I kind of consider myself more the Ralph Nader of the whiskey industry. <laughs> I, I want people to be honest about what they're selling. And that's that's more it. Uh, it's fine to source whiskey. Plenty of scotch companies out there are, you know, independent bottlers have been doing it for a long time. And they're honest about what they're doing. But here in America, we've taken this different approach. Uh, we need to lie about what we're selling to be able to reach the consumer. And I just thought that was wrong. And so is my new favorite tagline for Wade. <laughs> Using that from now on. <laughs> and so now you're, you're pretty widely known that if, if somebody thinks that you're going to get one by in the, the market today, that you're going to have to experience the wrath of Wade at some point. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of these small producers, I got to tell you, the laws are confusing. I'll see a label that's not in compliance. And these days I'll try to contact the company and you would be surprised the amount of times the company will say, 
we weren't aware of that law, but we are going to change. And that's a good feeling. And it's because they didn't know the law. Now there's some other companies that they know what they're doing and they're doing it on purpose because of sales. So yeah, I call out those guys too. Well, I think somebody's somebody's got to be the bad person in the situation. So I'm glad you are because I don't want to go and make any more enemies than I have to. I got to always worry about Ryan saying something dumb on the podcast, right? So, <laughs> so let's go ahead and let's let's move on to uh, to the bourbon trivia, right? Actually, hold on, we got one more question because uh, somebody is actually chiming in the chat, uh, Cash Twenty Two, and he said, "Serious question for Wade." And he says, "The labeling rules differ for smaller bottles." than standard 750 mls and he, he actually said serious question because he asks questions all the time so i'm sure i'm sure he, he he's actually genuinely curious uh as far as the stated distillation the 5.36 d that kind of uh doesn't matter the size of the bottle so those needs to be on there if it, that the person goes to the ban manual there is for smaller bottles you adjust the font size that you have to use on smaller bottles and the band manual covers all that, but there's nothing in there that says you can just start emitting something because you have a small bottle. <laughs> if that's the case, everybody's going to come out with just like things smaller than pints then, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So let's, let's move on to the, uh, the meat of the show then. So I want to hand it over to you and uh, I'm assuming you might go and uh, you're either going to do a little potpourri on us and kind of splish it off or, or maybe you'll go from easy to hard. I, I don't know how you plan on, on doing this, but I'll kind of let you take it from here. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, you guys know a lot about bourbon, so I think you're probably going to get a lot of these pretty easily. But your audience out there when they're listening to this, I think they'll be a little bit more entertained by it, but we'll, we'll go. And most of these I've posted in the groups before, but I've got a collection. I've got, probably got about 15, 16 here. We'll kind of go through here tonight, but. Uh, Sounds good. We'll make sure we get a few in before you write your book on it. <laughs> uh, tater curious. I got yep. to bring that to Fred. So, <laughs> Fred already took that. <laughs> uh, first of all, we'll start with a true or false question. Uh, I printed these out, but I think they're kind of showing up backwards. Is that backwards to you? No, that's perfect. Okay, but because make sure you make sure, make sure you ask the question though, because we got to yeah. make sure our, our our audio listeners are out there. Okay, all bourbon must be aged in a new charred oak barrel. Well, if I had to guess, uh, I mean this this should be something that is very bourbon one hundred and one level knowledge. And to be considered a bourbon, it has to be in a, a new charred white American oak barrel. I don't know. I mean, Blake or Brian, have you heard any different? Yes. Well, I, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm paying attention to one word on Wade's yeah. uh, list there. Um, and there, and, I've only, and I'm going to save it for after Blake talks. But there's one word on there that's not what's in the in the regulations. I, I think we're both thinking of the same word there, so I don't want to steal your thunder, but I'm assuming it's barrel because the actual regulation oh, container. Container, that's and right. So I'm coming out with the bourbon, the white oak bourbon box that's going to uh, you know, just be a huge giant white oak box that I'm gonna start aging bourbon in because uh, I believe it just and, is a container. That's right. And you, you need a container, but it doesn't need to be white. It doesn't need to be American. It just needs to be oak. Oak. Charred oak, correct? Char, yeah. Charred. New charred oak container. 
Those are your your keywords. Which does bring me to another question. I don't want to guess too far. Where did the white American come from? Because that's pretty popular as i mean i think i initially was saying you know has to be new white american oak um up until not all that long ago i was like oh american oak is not in there it's just one of those things like bourbon can only be made in kentucky it's just something that's accepted but it's never in the regulations like uh but so the answer is false because you guys got it it has to be aged in a new oak container not a charred oak barrel um, well, let's let's also make sure we're counting the score here. That's that's zero for Kenny so far, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, as soon as they said barrel, I was like, shit! I knew there was something, right? <laughs> now, something I, something Jim told me as well about Blake. Your question about uh, why we all think it's white American oak. It's apparently one plentiful and two has a, a good seal and chars well, mm. and then so that that's why it's tends to be white American oak that's used, and then red oak to termites, or at least doesn't attract termites. So that's what they use in the rick houses. So it's all just the kind of oak that has traditionally been used yeah. for different purposes. Um, and white American oak's been what used for barrels. Correct. Well, there we go. That was a good first question. See, we, we made that one. Uh, we, we went off the rails a little bit there. So yeah, it was good. I'm, I'm looking to make your hour there, man. <laughs> I'm really waiting for one of these, you know, small craft distillers that want to do something unique to take this regulation and do something with it. Yeah, I don't know square barrels. I mean, just they could. It's open, you know. It, it's not. It's not just so fixed that everybody thinks. Oh, you got to use this 53 gallon round barrel because that's what everybody else uses. So, so far, I really haven't seen anybody play around with it. I mean, it would be it would be economically more efficient to make boxes and stack them right next to each other, where you have zero space that's lost, right? I mean, it would be more efficient to do that. Yeah, I mean, I used to use round, or we we do use round because they're easy to move around. But now you have forklifts every place. I don't know why you couldn't use square and stack them. So hmm. save on rickhouse uh, building if you didn't want to rotate them or something. Um, I, I'm I'm. It, Predicting a Jefferson's white uh, or <laughs> ship that's going to stay across the sea. Box bourbon. Charred inside. Yeah. <laughs> now, the, the only reason that I also heard heard that why you still go with a barrel is because it is in a in a form where it doesn't require any glue or nails to actually make a, a seal. It, right. So if you were to use a box, that wouldn't necessarily, I mean, you would have to have maybe lots of uh, bands everywhere on it to, to actually make the seal. Uh, but that's, that's one thing I've heard is that, you know, typically it's, it's, it can be done without wood or glue or sorry, without nails or glue. Right. I read a government study online one time where they did a test with plywood barrels. Ooh. And let's go ahead. It didn't turn out well, but uh, <laughs> official back when the government would spend money on research and testing, they, actually did a test on this. So anyway. <laughs> Good to know. Okay, let's move on. Number number two. Uh, maybe this is my first trivia question that I've heard it, heard in Bergen. And I failed it, by the way. Let's see how you guys do. What is the minimum age that bourbon must be aged? What's the minimum aging requirement? I've, I've got that one nailed. I think the other guys will have it too, though, right? Yeah. I think, I think I think I think 
Yeah, so Brian, go ahead and kind of talk about how you get to this answer because I think we all know it as well. So everyone hears that it's two years and four years and you go on tour sometimes and they even they even start with four years. You're on all the posts and people are saying two years to be bourbon. And that's, of course, two years to be straight bourbon and four years to not need an age statement. But under the regulations, again, as long as it's in there momentarily, I mean, you could put it in a new charred oak bucket, uh, just drop it in straight out of the still, and by the time you pour it into a bottle, you've got bourbon. So as long as you are in there even momentarily, you've got bourbon. That's the answer. Yeah, very good. Very well explained. Uh, I will tell my little story on this one, though, because uh, I toured uh, Wild Turkey with the Straight Bourbon Group probably about in 2004. Uh, Kenny mentioned that I was seasoned or been around a while. I'm also old, but uh, so I was back there uh, with the Straight Bourbon Group and Jimmy Russell gave us the tour and we're standing around these Cypress fermenters and uh, I'm standing next to uh, Linnell from Red Hook Rye. Linnell, if you guys know. I've had the Red Hook, yeah, that, that's Yeah, so she, she's there on the tour with us and Jimmy asked this question about how long does it take bourbon to be, to be, you know, hey, what's the age requirement? And I shoot up my hand and I answer two years because that's what I'd always heard. And Jimmy uh, explained the correct answer to me, which was there is no age requirement for bourbon. He didn't say straight bourbon. So anyway, I like to tell that story. So yeah, getting called out by Jimmy Russell, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that he says all the time, too. I, I think I've been on a tour with him and from Freddie from Buffalo Trace, and, and they all uh, they all try to use that that brain teaser. So that's that's a good one for the good bourbon population to know of. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on. Number three. Got my thing here. How many distilleries are there in Lawrenceburg? Hmm. Let's send that to Florida first. What do you think? Yeah, so I'm trying to think as well. I mean, I know wild turkey, right? Yeah, but doesn't Four Roses have a Lawrence? That's where they distill. Yeah. And then isn't there a craft not? um, I want to say three. I'm not going to name the third one because I can't think of it, but I think three. And because I, I know there's one more. Shoot, who else is in Lawrenceburg? Oh man, here's here's a here's some somebody just just gave us a little hit here on the on the chat. Oh yeah, you, okay. you, I forgot to look at the chat. He says, "Are you including Indiana, Lawrenceburg, yeah. <laughs> and Wade Lampton?" Specify. <laughs> oh wow. So three then is that is that the correct answer? Well, three is my answer, but with all the craft new distilleries opening up in Kentucky. There might be another one in Lawrenceburg, but I haven't been aware of one. But my answer was going to be Wild Turkey, Four Roses, and MGPI in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> that was a good That's one. But at least I did say kind of three because I was thinking there was one, so I'll, I'll take half credit on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we got to give that credit to uh, catch 22 that said including indiana so that was the uh that was like kind of like tricked my mind there right there i was trying to figure it out so hey, was, by the way is steve Uri on the chat is he the one commenting with the answers no <laughs> no 
because <laughs> Steve and I are the ones that used to post these trivia questions quite a bit. So <laughs> he's going to be out there. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. That is good. All right, we'll move on. If you follow all the rules of bourbon, distilled to under 160 proof, stored in a new charred oak container uh, at 125 proof, etc., but you use 100% corn, what have you made? So I'll jump in a little bit because I know there is a trick here. I think there's a trick. I think you can call it bourbon, but I think by law you have created uh, corn whiskey. If if I'm right, but so, I wouldn't I wouldn't think so, right? Because it, it has to be at least fifty one percent, and the rest can be other grain. So when I when I look at it in that regard, it could still be bourbon. Um, I, I don't think it, it right, right necessarily needs any other grains. I think it is bourbon. It would have to, if it came and used oak barrels, it would have been cool. There you go. So I think that, is that right? I was, I was paying attention to what Wade said on the, on the uh, new charred oak container. Uh-huh. And so Blake, I, that's what I was listening to as well. So if it's, if it's uh uncharred uh, container, then it can be, then it'll be corn whiskey. But I don't think there's a maximum for for it to be bourbon, although corn whiskey has to be 80% corn grain. Yeah, that's kind of the trick. You guys are you got the answer. You made bourbon whiskey. But the regs, you know, bourbon has to be over 50% corn. Corn whiskey has to be over 80. So a lot of people read those regs and think, okay, if you use over 80, you make corn whiskey. But that's not the case. Bourbon can use all the way up to 100% and still be uh, bourbon. Uh, the difference is the type of barrel, uh, whether it's uh, used or uh, toast or charred uh, for corn whiskey versus bourbon. And because I specifically said that it was a charred new oak container, the product that you just made in that case was bourbon whiskey. Yeah, so there's no way you can get it. I mean, but could you actually put on the label that it's corn whiskey or do you think on the label like you would have no, to- you, you couldn't call it corn whiskey because it was aged in a new oak charred new oak container and corn whiskey cannot be aged in a charred new oak container oh so there is a i guess i think i remember that from uh from an episode we had with with bernie lovers on where he was really harping on that so okay i i, I thought that no matter what like you could you could still call it corn whiskey or you could call it bourbon i didn't know you could really not have a toss-up that there was a, a real delineation there. Well, you go ahead and make that, and then I can be my consumer advocate and come back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing uh, I don't own a distillery. I was going to say, are we going to have any like uh, small craft distilleries listening to this? Like, okay, where am I messing up with? <laughs> or guys trying to get into the game? This can be like a one-on-one lesson. I guess uh, another question for you guys. Uh, talk about just corn whiskey for a second. Has anybody had a corn whiskey they really enjoy? I mean, I, my collection isn't that deep in, you know, really messing with corn whiskey. So I haven't really ventured out to try anything other than a, a bottle of pre-fire mellow corn that I came across. But, but other, did, yeah. did you see the new Heaven Hill Select stock series that came out? No. They're, they're doing that with corn whiskey? They've got, it was like a, I, 
I saw a mention of it, but like an 11-year-old corn whiskey that then they finished and for two years in like a Burnham wheat whiskey barrel. Huh. So you're talking a 10-plus-year-old uh, corn whiskey. So here's here's my question that I've never understood about corn whiskey. If you're aging it in it in an uncharred barrel, what's that do for it? I mean, it's it's not gotten it's not getting the interaction with the sugars. It's not. I guess it's still going in and out of the wood, but it's not picking up the char or the sugar. So what do you get out of aging corn whiskey? Is it is, is it can't be in a chart at all? It can be in a used barrel though. It doesn't have to be. It can be used, right? Okay. Yeah, right. So yeah, it'll so, pick up some in, in use, but you know, not, not much. Really, yeah. And and I don't know if Heaven Hill puts any in in uncharred. I mean, I think that'd be kind of silly to 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 waste a barrel on that. <laughs> so it's not going to pick up much of anything, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't from know. my experience is that at least at Heaven Hill that I know of, they use their old like Elijah Craig barrels actually are used for uh, mellow corn and stuff like that or Evan Williams. Right. So they are using old whiskey barrels. Right. Oh, I guess, you know, barrels. sorry, we, we, don't, we don't define used either. So it, they could have just dropped the bourbon in there for three seconds, pulled it back out and then thrown mellow corn in there. And you, uh, Ooh. you basically have a, that, that's basically what Balconies did when Chip oh, took really? running place. He did not want to make bourbon, but he was basically making bourbon. So he would take brand new charred oak barrels, put something in them for 30 seconds, dump it out, and put the corn whiskey in it. <laughs> Highly inefficient, but effective. Yeah, I was going to say, it, and you would think you would want the, the bourbon name behind or, or on the bottle. Uh, that may help a little bit, but you know, they did things a little bit differently down in Texas. <laughs> At least Chip did, anyhow. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, let's go on to uh, the, the next question then. Okay. Uh, what are Four Roses, MGPI in Indiana, and the old Waterloo Distillery in Canada have in common mm. so four roses mgpi and waterloo i was i, I want to say in anyone out there go ahead and um read uh read mitten bueller's book bourbon empire but i believe it was a part of the whiskey trust or seagram's dis uh ownership it could be. I mean, the way I was thinking is possibly yeast. Um, if 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 a lot of these companies are using some sort of yeast that's been, um, you know, passed around between them or anything like that, because uh, if if it was Seagrams, then um, you know, I, I know that Four Roses was owned by them at one time, so therefore the yeast could have come from there. But the but the Waterloo was. Crown, isn't it? Isn't it a crown? That's role? crown, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you guys are close. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, yeah. So the so obviously MGPI and Four Roses, we've got the Seagram's connection, but Diageo, the Waterloo, yeah. the Waterloo is the one that's closed, and Crown just released uh, a, a couple of those old ones that, from uh, from there that was really good, but that wasn't Seagram's. Yeah. That's it's because I, I would say Diageo, but with the crown, but I don't think they ever owned 
four roses. Maybe there was a small period of time in there. That's the answer I'm looking for. You guys are kind of dancing around it, but (laughs) those plants all made whiskey that went into Crown Roll. That's what they got. Oh, okay. So now I don't think I believe at one point they were all owned by Seagrams as well, too. So there's definitely the the Seagrams connection. Seagrams owned Crown Roll. Oh, see, I didn't realize that. Was going into uh, Crown? I had no four roses going to Crown. That's that's news to me. Had the like plant they're blended the with plant. for a while um y- you know so i could kind of see that but the i think the mgp one a little more surprising to me yeah so much for canadian whiskey is <laughs> <laughs> do we drink any canadian whiskey does anybody there have a highly rated canadian whiskey they want to tell us about lot 40 lot 40 lot 40 yeah apparently they just released a cast strength which i'm trying to get a bottle of if anyone in Canada wants to be so kind but uh no I like the lot 40 rye uh they did whenever it was the 2012 release it was really good it's kind of changed a little bit with the newer release but um yeah lot 40 is pretty good so why doesn't why doesn't Bean take some of that Alberta rye that they sell to all these other people and sell some of it in the U.S. with a decent age yep uh uh, and then they went and mixed with like the the Alberta dark and then the sherry, yeah, that one. But it's too much sherry; it over it overpowers yeah, it. I didn't like that one either. I'm like, yeah. if you're sitting on all this aged stock that you're giving other people, I I wonder if they even have some kind of like agreement with these brands they sell to. Hey, we we'll just use it for our brands and kind of the the mid to lower range, and then we won't produce any larger or uh, high end brands. But you would think. As well as those Alberta rye whiskeys are doing, you know, they would want to come out with their own. Uh, One would think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Maybe they're watching, and they'll laugh. <laughs> yeah, Beam is watching, and the craft guys are watching, and they're all going to learn everything. Okay, let's let's move on. Next question. Okay, I'm holding a bottle of straight bourbon in my hands. Yet the proof is only seventy. How is this possible? Ooh, I think I saw this pop up in shoot what group? I mean, oh, hold on before you get to it. I mean, if if we think about the law in general, right? So the law says straight bourbon, at least two years, no additives, no colors, anything like that. So that's that's straight. Uh, but to also be called a bourbon, it has to be bottled at at least eighty proof. That's correct. So I'm I'm kind of stumped if it can actually still be called a bourbon at this point. Wasn't there an Australian release that popped up recently? But I would still think that those laws would apply. I never saw, I just remember somebody posting a bottle and saying, look, this is 70 proof. How does that meet the, you know, international um, trademark uh, stuff? But I can't, I can't think of anything. I'd just be, it'd be pure guess. I can't think of anything that would um, allow a bottle of bourbon to be 70 proof. So I'm going to switch it over to Brian. <laughs> yeah, wait, I, I think I'm stuck on or stumped on that too. To be, to be bourbon, it's got to be 80 proof bottled. Would it- uh, straight doesn't come into my equation for your question, uh, at least the way I'm thinking about it. 
Would it and just have to be from a country that doesn't recognize the trademark or the is part of whatever? Well, then it can't be called bourbon anyhow. Yeah. Well, they're just stealing. Well, well Blake well, is yeah. dancing around the right answer, but the, the way that our risky regulations are written, it doesn't cover explicitly exports. So our laws ah. saying that bourbon has to be 80 proof is for bourbon sold in the U.S. Um, and specifically in Australia, they have very high uh, duties and import fees on booze, and especially at certain proofs. So a lot of bourbons that are exported to Australia are sold at uh, 70 proof, especially the Jim Bean products. That's probably what you saw, Blake, is uh, 70 proof Jim Bean. So, Blake, you nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. Exactly. This just means I spend way too much time on Facebook bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> So how, how does that work, though? So it's still produced in the country, but just because it's export only, they could get away with other, you know, skirting other regulations, like not new chardo casks or other things like that, or it's just kind of a gray area for some. No, I, I think they could do a lot of what they wanted to, but obviously these big companies don't want to really tarnish yeah. what bourbon is about. If they started selling really a substandard product, it would hurt all of them. So they don't really cheat, but I think because of the duties, they do sell lower proof products is primarily what I've seen, especially in Australia. So, well, and, I, and I remember Jimmy Russell talking about selling the canned cola product in Australia that they, they apparently sell just a shit ton of this canned bourbon and cola product to the Australian market only. Probably because it's lower proof and it's just easier yeah. to sell that way than sell someone a, bo- a full bottle of bourbon and a can of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> well, wasn't it uh, British bourbon guys, Kenny, that were saying they have that over in London too? You can get, you, you know, it like it's not because a lot of our mixed drinks that come pre mixed are like low wines and that kind of thing, but they have actual truly mixed bourbon and Coke. Over there. Yeah, it's, it's true. Uh, and I've actually seen people on Twitter that have shown me pictures that said, have you ever had this? I'm like, no, I've never had it. There's no way it, it's not available in our country. Right. So I have I have seen that. But I also uh, take a second here to give credit to the, the Patreon people that are, are listening and watching on the chat. Uh, they were nailing this. They're like overseas release. It's got to be Australia. So uh, shout out to those people. They were they were on the ball on that one. I know I'm turning off my chat for now. I feel feel like I'm cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on. Uh, We know that JD and other Tennessee whiskeys go through the Lincoln County process, uh, which is Vols charcoal. True or false? Are all bourbons also charcoal filtered? Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. 
take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. We know that JD and other Tennessee whiskeys go through the Lincoln County process, uh, which is Volf's charcoal. True or false? Are all bourbons also charcoal filtered? So uh, the way I look at this is that uh, I would have to go around and probably say no, only because, you know, we have this process of chill filtering that goes on. And the whole craze right now is everybody wants fucking NCF for everything yeah, because it does whatever. But however, um, I know that the way that Jack Daniels does theirs is they do drop by drop going and filtering it through charcoal. Uh, however, it is still considered a bourbon. So I would think that it doesn't necessarily need to be filtered through charcoal to be called a bourbon. Uh, Brian, what do you think? So the, the last thing that Wade said for the question was, is every bourbon charcoal filtered? So that, that's what I'm paying attention to. And I, and I think not. Um, although you've got Ezra Brooks that says that there's a couple of theirs are. You've got a Heaven Hill uh, that's chart that they advertise on the label is charcoal filtered. But I think that's on the front end for the Lincoln County process, though before it's barreled true so so i think i think the answer is no that not all bourbon is charcoal filtered yeah like what do you think i was gonna say that you know i think what usually trips people up is the lincoln county process comes between distillation and barreling and typically bourbon their charcoal filtering happens from barrel to bottle um or in between either way it doesn't matter but the way the question's worded, I'm going to stick with not all bourbon is charcoal filtered. Final okay. Final answer. <laughs> right, final uh, answer. Well, the whole little start there, I started with the Jack Daniels and the Lincoln County process, which is to kind of throw you off. The, the question really <laughs> was, are bourbon charcoal filtered? And to me, the answer is yes, because... <laughs> Bourbon has to be aged in a new charred oak barrel. Have you ever been on a barrel dump line when you're dumping barrels? Yep. I've used some of those to smoke. uh, But what comes out of the barrel when they're dumping? There's a bunch of charcoal chips and stuff that fall out of there, yeah. Charcoal chips. So every bourbon has charcoal chips, and therefore it's all charcoal filtered. Interesting. Okay. That is a great teaser. It is it is surprising how much comes out. Like we just dumped a barrel here and I mean 
it was like at least a full gallon Ziploc bag worth of charcoal particles that get caught up in, you know, a 53-gallon barrel. Of the trough is full, yeah. yeah. Now, is all that just falling off from the inside? Yeah, yeah I would imagine. Yeah. They're not, not, like, putting shavings in there. I mean, I guess they could, but. Especially, you know, most people use, you know, you know number four alligator char and, that just leaves lots of chunks in the barrel that come out when they get dumped. It'd be interesting to see how that really affects the, you know, the amount of chips left after after a barrel's dump, how that affects the final flavor profile of the of the bourbon. Yeah, I mean, I know that Woodford does like their cross grain cutting and some of them they get a little bit more um you know, contact, I guess you will. Is there anything that says that they can't add more like chips or chunks into the barrel before it starts aging and still not be considered a bourbon. I would think that that's still okay. Cause it's still part of the char six. It's, it's okay. And it's part of what the, some of the hyper aging people do is they, they agitate it with, uh, with chips in there, charred chips in there to try to, uh, speed that process. Yeah. I mean, makers, the 46, I mean, they stick staves in there, right. And nothing's saying right. that it's not a bourbon. So, yeah, but that does say bourbon finished with staves. So does it? Okay. A disclaimer there with the maker's product, but uh, if you just had barrel more barrel char to it, I don't think that would be a any violation. I don't know about that one. Not <laughs> new releases now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and last time I was at uh, Bluegrass Cooperage, they were showing for some I forget which Jack Daniels product it is, but they actually. Um, they they sand down the inside of the barrel and leave extra chips in there, uh, basically sawdust or something to, to give it more exposure. Good. Let's move on. This is more of a little fun one. Let's right. see if you guys are any uh, television experts. What fictional American president incorrectly said to be called bourbon? It has to come from Kentucky. Otherwise, it's called sour mash. Fictional president. Fictional president. Oh on gosh. A show. Fictional president. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with The Simpsons because The Simpsons has done everything. Well, this, <laughs> this wing is up. What I'm thinking would actually have a president. I, I'm just completely sure. Well, it's either that it could have been. Like, May have been uh, George Washington said it. It may have been. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no clue. I don't have enough TV on this. We got West Wing. We got Twenty Four. There's always a president on there. Uh, I'm trying to think what other. I mean, there's plenty of like TV shows on ABC where they they have a scandal. Like that's fake president. But I don't remember them ever talking about bourbon. Now West Wing is a possibility. And we've got somebody in the chat that's saying West Wing is at Bartlett as well. So they're probably trying to nail it down. But if that didn't give it away, Brian, do you have any other guesses? I apparently don't watch enough TV. So I'll, I'll go with the comments <laughs> and say West Wing. Yeah, it was West Wing. And the president was Jed Bartlett. So, yeah, your your chat people are on it. So Red and false. Why don't they hire me as their attorney consultant? And, and I can set their script right for this kind of thing. If any ABC producers or West Wing producers are watching the show, call Brian afterwards. Get him set That's up. Right. Tainer. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So wait, let's go next one. 
Okay. Okay. I'm an independent producer, and I source whiskey, straight bourbon whiskey, from two Kentucky distilleries, different distilleries. And I blend these together. Uh, what is the product that I'm now selling? So if I'm taking two whiskeys from two different Kentucky distilleries, blend them together. They're both straight bourbon whiskeys. I'm going to let Kentucky guys go after me because I want to get my uh, answer out there because I don't know if it's right. So um, I would say you can call it Kentucky straight bourbon. And the reason is the only qualification I can think of that would require from the same distillery would be a bottled and bond situation, which requires from the same distillery, the same distillation season, four years, all that. But I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a qualification that requires it to be from the same distillery to be called Kentucky straight bourbon, as long as it's from the state. I mean, is so if if I'm the independent, is it matter if I'm actually located in Kentucky or somewhere else? If it's bottled, is there a let's say let's say that you are in Florida and you take two different Kentucky straight bourbon whiskeys and you bring them down to Florida and you mix them together, or if I'm in Kentucky and I do it, like does that make a difference? I do actually, it doesn't make a difference. It it doesn't make it. What if they age in a different state for? Oh, now you're talking about aging. The regs are, aren't clear on that, really, because not anybody ever did it before. Uh, but so let's get back to the, the original question. <laughs> <laughs> we get them and we just blend them. So let's let's not get into aging. If, if I had to guess, uh, so you know it can't be a bottle and bond because it's not from, uh, as Blake had said, it's not from the same uh, distiller. And that's what I'm kind of going between whether it is just a Kentucky bourbon whiskey or it's a, a blended whiskey. I'm not, I'm not really too sure. Brian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm with both of you guys on the, on the bottled and bond issue. That, that part of it is clear. And as long as they are, both of these whiskeys are straight bourbon whiskeys and not a bourbon and a rye or a, or any other kind of whiskey, I think you still get to call it, straight bourbon whiskey bingo you guys are all right it's still straight bourbon whiskey um, yeah. but kind of follow up quickly if i took a whiskey from mgpi in indiana right across the river there from kentucky it's a straight bourbon whiskey and one from kentucky that was a straight bourbon whiskey and i put those two together could it be called straight bourbon whiskey still i think so you have a uh, yes, but your label had better say both Indiana and Kentucky. It could say straight bourbon whiskey, but with a blend of <laughs> two different, maybe. I don't know. I, I'm this is why I, I get stumped right here, right? This is a good one. Barrel guys there. Uh straight straight whiskeys of any type can only be a product of one state. Ah, okay. So it'd just be a blended bourbon whiskey at that point. Yeah, blended bourbon whiskey. Good could deal. you say blended straight whiskeys? Yes, you could even say blended straight bourbon whiskey. Uh-huh. Or uh, straight bourbon whiskey, a blend, is another way you could state it. But a blend does have to be in there, and you can no longer call it just straight 
straight whiskey. So that's one of the catches about any straight whiskey. It has to be a product of only one state. That's a good, that's a good one right there. See, well, I got stumped a little bit. It's that one. Okay. Move on. This is going to be a tough one here. Oh, we all love Van Winkle, right? I'm sure. Uh, Everybody out there just going crazy. No, I'm getting ready to ask a Van Winkle question. <laughs> what are the six distilleries that whiskey has gone, that they have sourced from that's gone into Van Winkle whiskey? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. All right. So let's start off with Old Fitz in Louisville. Or the, yeah. Stitzel. Stitzel Weller. Well, right. Old Medley for, for the rye. Yeah, wait, are you counting all of all of the Van Winkle whiskeys? Yeah, we're counting all. Any, any Okay, so yeah, Medley, Medley's there for the rye. Burn Medley. Buffalo Trace is the easy one. Oh. Bernheim. Uh old and new Bernheim. Uh what's the so let's count two on that. Old old and new Bernheim. Old and new Boone's not Boone's County. You went into the green glass, the 20-year green glass. Old. Yeah, that's it, Boone. Boone, yeah. So you guys, you guys did really well. That's six. Medley, Weller, Buffalo Trace, Old and New, uh, Burnine, and Boone. That's six, isn't it? Yeah, that's six. But really? there is always more out there that Julian has never released where he sourced the whiskey from. And that was the first green glass uh, PDP, uh, the 23-year-old. He's no. never said where he sourced that whiskey from. The 20 was from Boone. He said that, but he's always said he was too embarrassed to say where the original 23 came from. So too embarrassed. Yes. That's quote directly from him before. So wait here, here's a Julian question for you. So he started bottling at the Commonwealth distillery in Lawrenceburg. Yeah. Did, did he use anything that was, was distilled at the Commonwealth distillery? Or had that been closed for too long? I, I don't know the answer to that. You don't know the answer? I, I would be guessing. I, yeah. I don't think he did, actually. I think yeah. he would use it more as a bottling facility, if I recall. Yeah, correctly. That, that's all I knew it, it, it as. I think that was back when he was doing a lot of those, you know, decanter-type series right. too, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. what I think, too. Yeah. I'm actually surprised how how uh, how quick we got that one. We were just rattling them off pretty quickly. So <laughs> <laughs> looking like we know what we're talking about almost. <laughs> Blake, I'm glad you remembered rye because I was I was just thinking the, uh, the the bourbon. Yeah, yeah. I actually I didn't know the 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 medley part of it, and honestly, it's kind of funny because you know all of a sudden you see medley start picking up in steam uh, in the past few weeks in regards of the community and people that are talking about medley brothers and their barrel proof and all that kind of stuff and i don't know if it's the same shit or not but it's 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 starting to uh pick up steam a little bit now they're sourcing from um uh shoot um heaven hill right yeah i was gonna say not mgp i think it is heaven hill but didn't he sell like sam medley's was the one who started the brand but then he sold it to someone else or something recently Uh, i don't even know I don't remember. Um, Couldn't tell you. It can't be MGP because that's in Indiana. Yeah. I would yeah, say it, it is. I think it was like them and Rebel Yell had the 
and obviously Willett had a big Heaven Hill contract that still seems to be ongoing. Hmm. Kenny, you know any insiders at Heaven Hill who could find out that information for us? I don't know a single person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wait, go on to the next question. Okay. Uh, this next one is not really a question. It's just me digging through the regs one night and finding something I thought was really interesting that I thought I'd share. Uh, I stumbled across 27 CFR 5.22 class 10, and it was talking about imitations. And it says imitation shall bear as a part of the designation thereof, the word imitation. And it shall include any of the following. And one of the things that was in the following is any type of whiskey to which beating oil has been added. Do you guys know what beating oil is? No. I've only seen that in relation to rectifiers when they would use nat- uh, neutral grain spirits. They needed to add beating oil to give it the the bourbon texture. Very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's but I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's basically a propylene glycol. And do you recall any other kind of whiskey that recently had an ish incident with propylene glycol in the news? Was it oh. Fireball? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. That was about last year. <laughs> Fireball in the EU, when they're selling whiskeys, they have to have a, a disclosure list of all the chemicals that went into them. And Fireball was using too high propylene glycol content for the EU standards. Now, propylene glycol, is, they use a food, you know, food safe version of it. Uh, but in the EU, they were using too much, and it made the news. And of course, the news ran about it, saying, "Oh, propylene glycol is, you know, antifreeze." <laughs> well, yeah, it's one ingredient in antifreeze too. But, but anyway, if I'm reading these red regs right, now I'm pretty sure I am. <laughs> I don't usually catch the big guys making labeling mistakes. It's mostly the small guys. But I'm pretty sure Fireball whiskey, by law, should say Fireball imitation whiskey. Hmm. <laughs> which it really is. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in, uh, in practice, it is, but I don't think I've ever seen anything with imitation on the label, actually. Me neither. Who's going to put that, right? No, I feel like they'd pull out the propylene glycol and find something else immediately if somebody <laughs> forced them to put imitation on there. That's interesting. So is that under... Um, like a flavored category or where does that even fall? It it was one of the weird section of the CFR is something I don't usually read and we just stumbled across it. So like I said, it was 27 CFR 5.22. You want to do some late night reading. (laughs) I'm I'm looking at that later on tonight, Wade. That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. What's the only type of whiskey that does not have to have contact with oak? Hmm. So if I, let's just think about this real quick. We've got corn whiskey, we've got wheat whiskey, we've got bourbon whiskey, we've got rye whiskey, um, malt whiskey. Uh, but I'm trying to think pretty much everything has to touch oak, if I'm not mistaken, to be aged. I mean, Kind of help me out my thinking, fellas. Like, what, what am I? Uh... Well, I mean, because White Dog isn't necessarily con- 
It's got to be aged for a moment to be whiskey. Well, no, because I mean, is there such a thing as, as white dog or moonshine whiskey? Like, is that a thing or is it just just neutral grain spirit? Like, is that not considered a... Well, I mean, it would be, you know, like Buffalo Trace release, release their white dog, which is just what goes into the barrel. So, I mean, it's whiskey. It just hasn't hit the barrel yet, but I don't... I've never heard that, you know, they put it in the barrel for a second and then bottle it just so they could call it whiskey. I'm thinking like, what was it, the Jacob's Ghost, where they basically just filtered everything out. Um, so not rye, not bourbon, not uh, neutral grain whiskey. <laughs> I was like, I, I see people in the chat that are saying moonshine whiskey and white dog, but I'm like, I, I don't, I don't really know if, if those can actually be legally called whiskey, right? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. Those products that you see on the shelf that are labeled moonshine and those type products, that's not an actual class type. That is just a marketing term. All those whiskeys are either rum, maybe, or maybe there's this type of whiskey that I'm trying to get you to answer, which is what type of whiskey that does not have to have any contact with oak? So the general definition of whiskey is a spirit distilled from grain. That's correct. So you can, if so, uh, if if you have this white dog, I guess it's still a whiskey, but it doesn't qualify as a bourbon. It doesn't qualify as a rye. It doesn't qualify as a corn whiskey. So I would say white dog. It, so the white dog that comes off of a still at Four Roses, Heaven Hill, every place else, is still a whiskey because it's a spirit distilled from grain. Yeah, because like uh, High West released their silver whiskey. But but I'm trying to read Wade's body language, and I don't think any of us have gotten the answer. <laughs> I don't think we have either. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip over my screen to the band manual, and I'm going to read the definition of corn whiskey. Whiskey produced at not exceeding 80% alcohol by volume from a fermented mash of not less than 80% corn, and if stored in own containers, stored at not more than 62.5% alcohol by volume and used or uncharged. The big thing there was if corn whiskey can be stored in those used barrels or a new uncharred barrel, but it's optional. So corn whiskey is the answer. Corn whiskey doesn't have to have any aging requirement to it. Um, that's so, a good one. Like whenever you're seeing like the silver whiskey and all those, they've hit a barrel at least for a second then, or they're just being mislabeled. If they're meeting the regulation and those weren't corn whiskeys, which I believe that High West was a oat whiskey, wasn't it? Something like that, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's no are there any laws uh, for oat whiskey because I I doubt it. I mean it's it's a grain, so I would assume it would have to fall under. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know about oat, but corn corn is what most of those products that are moonshine advertised. That's what they are. There's, it's a really corn whiskey. If you looked up the cola uh, label approval, it would be the class type for corn whiskey in most cases. Well, deal. That, that's beat uh, Buffalo Trace showing their mash bill a little bit then because that would mean when they're releasing the white dog, if it says whiskey on there, it's got to be at least 80% corn then, right? 
Um, it, sounds, it sounds like uh, Wade's going to be making his stop at Specs tomorrow, and he's going to pick up a bottle and figure out a reason to send an email off. I think I got a bottle of that BT White Dog when they first came out with it. I had to go look at it in my bunker. <laughs> uh, hold on, I'm pulling up a picture. Uh, it's okay. Well, let's let's go ahead because we got. Uh, I think time for two more questions, and then we'll uh, we'll go wrap it up. Okay. Well, actually, I'm kind of running out of questions. Anyhow, let me see. If All right. One more. Then. <laughs> right. Then one more. One more good one. Grand, grand finale, Wade. Okay. Um, Say you take a whiskey that's Tennessee whiskey and it meets all the requirements to be Tennessee whiskey. It's gone through the Lincoln County process. But then it adds sugar and caramel coloring, not totally more than 2.5% by volume. Is it still Tennessee whiskey or is it something else? I'll let, I'll let somebody else because I, I think I have a, a good gauge on this one already. So I'll let, I'll let somebody else kind of take this one. See, I, I'm would I'm pretty sure Tennessee has the same standards as bourbon and like a straight whiskey where no flavor additives and and uh, that kind of thing. I, I would have to say it's no longer Tennessee whiskey, um, and it could if it was under whatever the two percent or whatever it could be called a whiskey, but. Well, no, actually, because <laughs> whiskey isn't, a, isn't a, an actual um, law just yet, right? So I'm kind of dancing around my own answer now thinking about it because Tennessee whiskey isn't an actual federal standard. So I guess it could be called Tennessee whiskey if they want it to because it is falls into the whiskey category. And since it's outside of Tennessee – that's that's kind of where I was leaning to. So my my idea was that the fact that it's not it's not a federal law that the the word Tennessee whiskey is not really uh, it's it's more or less I don't want to say it's marketing, but it's only within a, a certain locale that's actually in Tennessee. To actually, they call it Tennessee whiskey, and the fact that there is nothing that's federally regulated to actually call something Tennessee whiskey. So they they are almost like a self regulating diatribe if you will that says like this is what we want tennessee whiskey to actually be and if somebody goes off the rails all they're going to do is get mad at each other and they can't actually do anything about it because it just is what it is right it's just people that are in that that little area have this uh, unwritten rule that this is how they do things so my opinion is that yes i think it still is considered a tennessee whiskey uh they can do whatever they want now the, the one thing that is i'm not going to get into the is jack daniel's bourbon argument but it is a it is you know it is a bourbon to the point, but as soon as you add that, it's no longer a bourbon if it's adding any uh, flavorings or anything like that uh, added to it. However, I don't think that there takes anything away from being called a, a standard Tennessee whiskey. Brian, do you have any other commentary to add there? I don't know that I have anything to add. I, I don't know the state law requirements in Tennessee for Tennessee whiskey other than. The, the Lincoln County process, but I, I'm assuming that it adopts the other rules of no, uh, no, uh, flavor additives and those sorts of things. Um, so I would, my guess is it's not Tennessee whiskey. And I, and I say that acknowledging I'd be really disappointed 
if Tennessee whiskey allows that kind of crap to be put in, in their whiskey. Okay. The, the reveal. Uh, yeah. I think we're, we're, we're on this topic, but federal law, if you look at federal regulations, there's no mention of any class type of Tennessee whiskey. That's right. We have this broad category of whiskey, which is allowed to have up to 2.5% flavorings and colorings added to it without any disclosure. If you just make quote American whiskey, if you make an American whiskey in a particular state, you're allowed to call it by that state. So say if you were in Florida and you made a broad category, American whiskey in Florida, you could call it Florida whiskey. And you could add that 2.5% coloring to it by federal law, and you would be totally compliant. Same thing in Tennessee. Now, where the law gets a little complicated is Tennessee does have specific regulations that only apply to Tennessee, not the other 49 states. So uh, from federal law, you could have a Jack Daniels could be adding 2.5% volume of sugar and colorings and still be a Tennessee whiskey. I don't think it happens, but by law, it could. So you're hmm. saying we got it right. <laughs> <laughs> saying it's uh, complicated, but I, I, I hope I make people thought about what the definition of adding a state in front of a whiskey really means as compared to whether it's Jack Daniels, Tennessee whiskey versus other states whiskey. That was a, that was a good grand finale. Cause I think that that encompassed basically you had, you had, you had all the layers of the onion there, right? I mean, you had everything from whiskey down to the state, down to the additives and everything like that. So I think that was a good one. Uh, so fellas, uh, I want to say thank you again for joining tonight and Wade, thanks for bringing a lot of this bourbon trivia. I hope we can, uh, we can rack your brain and maybe in a few months, we could do this again because I think it was, it was exciting. It was fun. Not only that is it gets to test uh, the guys on the round table here. Who's actually the smart one. And uh, I, I think I get to give props to Blake and Brian. They did a lot better than I did. So good job guys. You, you held your own, man. You got it. All, you got them all. The, the only reason I know at least about the Tennessee stuff is because I uh, definitely had to uh, had to research a little bit about Jack Daniels recently. So uh, that's the only reason that I, I had to uh, have had any kind of inkling about what Tennessee whiskey even was at that point. Uh, but I want to go ahead and, and Brian, uh, let you go first just to kind of sound off about people, how they can know more about you, how they can follow you and stuff like that, too. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me tonight. Uh, Wade, great questions. Uh, everyone can find me on the Sippin' Corn blog where I, where I blog about uh, legal bourbon history and, and lawsuits. And you can find me on, on Twitter at, at Sippin' Corn and a little bit on Facebook uh, at Sippin' Corn also. All right, so we've got, we've got one last question. Go. Oh. All right, this is coming from the chat. And so this is coming from 22, Catch 22, and this is, this is going to be for Wade. So it says, have you ever seen a case, maybe for Brian too, if it has the word case in it, have you ever seen a case where a, technically correct bourbon was called out for violating the rule that says it substantially has altered the character of bourbon. Uh, the idea is that there's a rule of substantially differing from the character of actually being a bourbon in itself. Uh, no, uh, 
I think that a lot more is it has to have basically the flavor profile of bourbon uh, to be called a bourbon. It has to be, you know, the notes associated with it. And, uh, you know, some craft distillers are really pushing the uh, boundaries of what they call bourbon. And I've not seen anybody make any kind of complaints about that, nor the TTB try to enforce that at all. So it's that's a regulation that's written down, but it's so subjective to try to enforce it that I don't really see being. I, I agree with Wade on that. The closest I've seen to it is is with a couple of bourbons that have been finished. Um, and th- there's a whole dispute there over as soon as you finish, are you adding a, an added a, a, a flavoring and, and a color additive? So if you finish it in sherry casks, can you call it bourbon finished in sherry casks? Or do you have to call it American whiskey finished in sherry casks? Um, that's the closest I've seen because that sherry does add a, a flavor that's not in 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 my experience anyways a typical bourbon flavor a typical characteristic of it but is it still called a bourbon at that point everybody still calls it a bourbon but the the dispute is as soon as you add a sherry cask finishing or or any kind of finishing have you gone beyond the charred new oak container and it is really being able to call something finished in another cask. Do you lose the ability to call it bourbon? I think we're going to. Can I add on that? We're not. Yeah, please do. I was about to say we should we should table that for another episode. But I think we could we could add on a few more minutes. So go ahead. You, you can edit this out then later. But uh, the way the TTB has ruled it is once you've made bourbon, you can't unmake it. So they have allowed these products to say it's bourbon with added flavors or bourbon aged in a secondary cast finish, but you always have to have that statement with it. And also on the COLA label approval, you change the class type. As far as the government is concerned, these products are no longer bourbon. They're actually class type 641, which is distilled specialty spirits. So I know the consumer looks at the label and says it's bourbon on there, but the government doesn't really consider these products bourbon anymore. And personally, I think it was a dumb ruling because I think it should really confuse the consumer. We have all these rules about bourbon, and one of them is you can't add any of this stuff to it. And yet, this is exactly what these products are doing. So I wish they would come up with a new category for these finished whiskeys and not have bourbon on them. Yeah, I mean, I guess in your opinion, does you think it makes like an unfair advantage when you go to these? I wouldn't say unfair advantage, but it, it creates more uh, conflict in a a judging category to be able to say like, well, how can we put a straight bourbon whiskey next to something that's a port finished whiskey and judge them on the same criteria? Uh, yeah, I mean, they taste different, right? I mean, they don't taste like a standard bourbon whiskey at that point, so... It's hard to judge them. Some people are going to like those products more. Some people are going to like them less. But and I like mine shaken with vanilla beans in it, right? So <laughs> take that. <laughs> so I'm glad we had that little anecdote. Uh, Blake, go ahead and and kind of finish up uh, of where people can find you. Never mind. Blake's fucking. Blake's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, um, so Wade kind of round it out real quick and tell people how they can, uh, you know, know more about you, whether you got a, a so, blog, Twitter, I'm Wade Wood, W-A-D-E-W-O-D. I'm on Facebook all the time in all the groups. So, you know, if you see a label out there you suspect is uh, violating one of the federal standards, let me know. I'll see what I can do about it. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm kind of glad we could bring uh, bring Brian and Wade here because now we've got somebody that's going to research it and we've got somebody that knows how to bring a class action lawsuit. So we've got, uh, we got the best of both worlds here. So, fellas, I want to thank all of you for joining tonight. Uh, Wade, it was, it was a real pleasure on trying to give us these brain teasers and this bourbon trivia because I think it's, uh, it's fun because it really tests our knowledge. It tests a lot of the listeners' knowledge. And hopefully, we, again, we can have you back on in a few months to, to kind of come up with a new set of questions and, and kind of figure out you know, how else can we bend the rules to, to kind of go about this. I think it's a, it's a great topic, and you did a fantastic job. So with that, uh, make sure you follow us on Bourbon Twitter and Instagram at, at Bourbon Pursuit. You can also find us on, uh, uh, of course, on iTunes. I want you to subscribe there. You can also subscribe on YouTube uh, and make sure you watch those videos, these videos that actually happen. Uh, or you can just listen to audio on, on iTunes. It's great. Uh, you can do it on the work. You can do it while you're working out. You can do it while you're cutting grass, anything you're doing. So make sure you're subscribing there. If you do like what you hear, subscribe or sorry, support us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Bourbon Pursuit. If you have any other show suggestions, things you want to see, people you want to hear from, uh, fan mail, hate mail, whatever it is, please send us an email, the duo, T-H-E-D-U-O at bourbonpursuit.com. Again, fellas, thank you for joining us. Thank you, everybody that tuned in, especially those on Patreon that ruined all the good uh, surprises because they were too smart and they they know more than we do here uh, on the panel. Uh, And with that, we will see everybody next week. Mm